Trigger warning. This episode will include the topics of necrophilia, grave desecration, and other related horrors. Listener discretion is advised. Ever heard a story and debate with someone whether it's romantic or creepy? Yeah, me neither. But that's exactly what took place with the story of Carl Tanzler, who saw the woman of his dreams and loved her to death, and then some. Next, on Technically a Conversation. Greetings, super friends. Welcome to another episode of Technically a Conversation. Here, we like to share an interesting topic with each other, which we've recently learned, and hope you find it interesting too. I'm one half of your hosts, Isela. Joining me, as always, is the man with the highest of standards, Jose. How are you? I'm doing excellent. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Great. I'm kind of bummed that Halloween is basically over when this airs. Yeah, but... If her super friends are looking for more spooky content, we have a lot of spooky content in our back catalog and much more to come. (gasps) Well, I shouldn't say any more because I don't want to spoil a couple of uh, surprises and a couple of topics that I'm working on. Oh, this is exciting. Well, (laughs) and you know why this is exciting? Because it's going to tie into mine as well. But we'll first give out some shout outs because you know what time it is. It's shout out time. Here's the list. The loyal, the royal, the queens, Elena and Erica, the Duke, Stephen B, Contra Zoom pod podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you for sharing your posts on our social media. So back to what I was saying. Yeah. Just because Halloween is over does not mean I have been satiated of creepy stories. (laughs) It's definitely not enough. Well, you know, those are always my favorite. So I welcome them. Then I got something good in store for you. Excellent. This is not a ghost story, nor does it deal with like serial killers or zombies or I don't know, whatever. But still creepy nonetheless, or at least to me it is. In several articles I read, it was mentioned that this was also called romantic. So I am going to be checking in with you every once in a while to see where you are on like the romantometer. Usually the spookiest of stories are the most romantic. That's what I was going to ask you, actually. Now that I'm curious, (laughs) what is the most romantic movie you've seen? Night of the Living Dead does not count. Go. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I don't really watch romance movies too much, but I do appreciate when there is a good romance in a movie, especially if it's one that makes me kind of weepy while I'm watching it. Yeah. Uh... I would probably have to say it's not my favorite movie, but probably the most romantic movie I've seen probably has to be The Notebook. Oh, you know which one is also really good? That that one we saw not too long ago, La La Land. Oh, it's such a, that is totally what I was going to say, that that one makes me weepy every time I see it. They portray it so well, the falling in love and it's beautiful. Yeah, I agree with that. It is very romantic. Okay. Well, that in mind. I'm going to check in with you every once in a while throughout the story to see where your romance-o-meter is. I don't know if it can top Night of the Living Dead, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and no, actually, I don't consider that a romantic movie. But it is a great movie, though. 
Yeah, actually, <laughs> it is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard when people say, oh, I love him to death or I love her to death. Those types of like euphemism or whatever that, that phrase. Yes, I use that phrase several times a day, probably. There you go. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about Carl Tanzler, who met a patient and took that phrase to another level. Ominous meter should be spiking right now. <laughs> we'll talk about how he really tried to take care of his patient, which is the romantic part, but in more ways than he really should have. So let's get into it. The curiosity has definitely peaked. It's spiking good. <laughs> Carl Tanzler was born in Dresden, Germany in 1877, quite some time ago. He went to a medical university, but I want to make it clear that he did not become a medical doctor, an MD, but he did go on to be a radiologist. After he graduated, he set out for sunny Australia, down under. I'm just kidding. I shouldn't. <laughs> People are going to get annoyed with that stupid accent. Uh, Crikey. <laughs> After World War I, he was deported to Holland. There, he met his wife, he had two daughters, and that was around 1920. The two daughters were named Aisha and Clarista. In Europe, he saw no future, so he emigrated the whole family to the U.S. of A., and he took up residency in Zephyr Hills, Florida, and his sister was already in Florida, so it made the move a little bit easier. Interestingly, he changed his name when he submitted his immigration paperwork. He gave himself the name Count Carl von Kossel. <laughs> Very bold move. Remind me that when I retire in Spain, that I have to change my name to Isela, the Duchess of Gancitos or something. <laughs> the reason why he gave himself that name is because he enjoyed to tell everyone that he was a relative of Countess von Kossel. Furthermore, he also said the ghost of the eminent relative would visit him his whole childhood. These visions seem to be a key part of this whole story because he said one of these visions told him that this beautiful dark-haired woman was to be the love of his life. For clarification, he grew up in Germany not all, but most women are likely to be blonde. So my guess is his wife was not the dark-haired beauty that he saw as a child, the, the vision that he thought was going to be the love of his life. Yeah, probably not, especially if she was from Holland. Uh, or from Germany, I think, or somewhere around there. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Although his wife was not the childhood vision he saw as the love of his life, all seemed to be normal. Everything was fine. Married, working life, you know, just going in day in, day out, being a dad, whatever, for the better part of maybe a decade. And nothing really moving in the romance meter yet, right? I would say. How do you feel about that? Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> I thought you were still going with the story. No, no, I was saying nothing really moving on the romance meter yet because, you know, everything's normal, married life. Yeah, well, I, I like normal. So that would probably be high on my romance meter. Oh. Oh, okay. That's good then. That's really good. When there's drama, that's normally when that brings that down a little bit. <laughs> okay. That's, a, that's understandable. In 1927, he completely abandoned his wife and family. None of the articles I read said why. So who really knows? Either way, the divorce rate back then 
in America was about 15%. So they became part of the 15%. Carl accepted an x-ray technician position in Key West at the Marine Hospital. Just to point out a very relevant fact, from 1895 to 1954 was when tuberculosis was running completely unchecked, spreading like wildfire. One in seven people died, according to a PBS article, from tuberculosis. Breaking it down a little further, tuberculosis is a bacteria that's spread. It's airborne, so it gets spread through coughs, sneezes, etc., It usually attacks the lungs, but not necessarily confined to the lungs. It can also affect your kidneys, and then you pee out blood, which sounds really awful. Your spine, it can affect your brain, according to a CDC article. It was also called consumption back in the day, which sounds really ominous and scary already. (laughs) Yeah, that's what was happening during our um, Vampires of Rhode Island episode, all the consumption that was going on. Yeah, I remember you mentioning consumption. Yeah. Yeah, this is a very ugly disease. And, you know, symptoms, you have coughs for weeks, um, you have uh, blood in your mu- and mucus in your cough. It's really ugly. Chest pain, difficulty breathing, weight, weight loss, night chills. Um, mucus in your urine. Back, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I made that up. Sorry. That sounds awful. I meant to say night sweats and chills. And treatment for tuberculosis is antibiotics for a couple of weeks. But back then, they didn't know that. Tying this story back to Carl, this is when tuberculosis rates were high. And when he worked at the Marine Hospital, as far as medical research went, all they knew was that hygiene was important to avoid the spread. And that's really it. Unfortunately, they didn't know anything else. They didn't know about masks, none of that. Two years after leaving his family, the daughters both died of diphtheria. That's pretty sad. Then after three years that he was working at the hospital, a Cuban-American woman, Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos, walked into the Marine Hospital. Hola, chico. Right? What's, what's happening? I'm just kidding. I don't know what she's talking about. Hola, guapetón. <laughs> ¿Qué pasa, papi? <laughs> just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, if anything, she was the one who was ill, so I don't think she would be saying that. Oh, yeah, true. All Carl knew was she was a 21-year-old woman. He was convinced that she was this dark-haired beauty of his dreams. I should point out that one article said maybe she was 22, so either 21, 22, but she definitely was his vision, the love of his life. Basically, love at first sight. And in all that's interesting article, they put it this way, which I thought was actually cute. He said, she was a dream come true. Mm. Yeah. Okay, quick pause, because I will admit that part does make it sound pretty romantic. Thoughts so far on that? Yeah, that's probably a seven on the romance meter. Okay, all right, we're getting there. Once there's blood and mucus in the urine, I think that might lower it a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's learn a little bit more about Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos. (laughs) She was a daughter of a cigar maker, and she was also a homemaker. That raises it up to nine. (laughs) Cigar maker? (laughs) Cigar maker and homemaker. Actually, no, that's misogynistic. I shouldn't say that. That is actually. 
I like the fact that she was the daughter of a cigar maker. How cool. You have the hookup. Hell yeah. And the Cuban cigars are the best too. Right? Come on. <laughs> Her family was large. I mean, you know how our beautiful Latino families are. Yep. By the way, we love large families because it's the same reason that we get to blame why we are allowed. We have to talk over all the other siblings. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm digressing. Her mom brought her to the hospital at this time. Then they determined that she had tuberculosis. Carl was determined to save her, as one would probably feel after you just found the love of your life or the woman of your dreams. He made her unique tonics, elixirs, potions, etc. Couple that with showering her with gifts and a ton of attention. He had openly declared his love for Maria Elena, and he was wooing her as best he could, giving her the full woo, basically. <laughs> well, bad news, brah. She was married. She's married to Luis Mesa. <laughs> but Luis had left Maria Elena really early into their marriage. After she suffered a miscarriage. Pobrecita. Yeah. Poor thing. And also, que feito, how awful of him. Yeah. That was one of our Spanish words we learned early into our, <laughs> early into our first season or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like a real winner. Was he related to Ted Cruz by any chance or? <laughs> <laughs> he might have. You never know. <laughs> Carl had taken hospital equipment, basically stole it, took it to Maria Elena's home in more attempts to save her. I mean, good on him. He definitely tried. It is important to note all the articles that I've read, none of them ever mentioned that Maria Elena reciprocated his love. I mean, she is 21 or 22 and he is 55 for crying out loud. Right? Think back to when you were 21. 55 sounded like you would be living that bingo life hardcore. Still 55 sounds kind of old to me now. Oh, <laughs> we're not that far away from that shit, sadly. Yeah, right. We're not that far, but it still seems very old. <laughs> it does. It does, does. Just curious about this now. If you were Maria Elena's dad, how would you feel about a 50-year, 55-year-old man Courting your 21, 22-year-old daughter. I would have to imagine that Maria Elena's father is probably the same age as uh, as that doctor guy. I forgot his name. Yeah, uh, Carl Tanzler. No, he wasn't a doctor. Remember, he was just a radiologist. Yeah, that's right. So I would imagine that Maria Elena's dad probably wouldn't be very thrilled that Carl was probably the same <laughs> age as he is, is courting his daughter. What movie is that from that you're doing it that way? <laughs> from The Walking Dead. Carl! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It was too short of a clip. That I was like, I know this. I know this. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I can't imagine he's very pleased by it. I think that if I was Marielena's father, I don't know if I would try and interfere. You know, I would be like, well, you know, let her find out if it's love or not. But, you know, I can't imagine he's very happy about that. Yeah. I think I would definitely feel some type of way about that if I was the dad. So I agree. Despite all the potions, all the elixirs, Maria Elena died on October 25th, 1931. Almost, what, 91 years ago. Damn. 
her family and Carl Tanzler were left in emotional shambles. Carl insisted to pay for a very expensive stone mausoleum, which is just a small edifice that houses the coffin. It was said that he didn't want her body to be subjected to like the ground and whatever decaying or weathering would come with being underground. That makes sense. The ground is dirty. And I guess the way he saw her was this, you know, beautiful porcelain doll, I guess, so to speak, right? The family didn't put up a fight. And why would they, to be honest? If I was even the mom, I'd be like, well, here's a man who really cared for my daughter. He tried really hard to save her, even though he's not a doctor, but whatever, he still tried. And now he wants to pay for my daughter's final resting place. I mean, what's wrong with that, right? Why not? I don't see anything wrong so far. Yeah, you would pay. You would allow him to pay for it too. Sure. I don't think there's a big deal. But anyway, so he did. He went on to pay for this really nice stone mausoleum in Key West Cemetery. And he went every day, every day. And of course, he would run into the family because they were there too. And I mean, we're talking like a loyal person would go and see her and talk to her, and whatever. Now, how uh, how are we reading on the romantic meter? It's definitely a little bit worrying. I'm almost expecting for you to say that he goes inside the mausoleum to be with her. <laughs> I don't know if that's just me being a little morbid, but yeah, I mean, especially because they didn't have anything, any type of romantic relationship, at least from what you implied. So it seems like more than anything, he's just obsessed with her. Right. I think that's the part that like my spidey senses were kicking up where I was like, well, I mean, that's nice that he went to visit her and that's nice that he really cared for her. But and who knows, though, maybe she was stringing him along, you know, maybe when he was giving her all these gifts, she was like, you know, not now, but maybe later when I get better or <laughs> so. I don't know. It's possible. But other than that death part, there could be some romantic strings where I could see people seeing it that way. But time to change gears to this questionably sweet story and start landing this plane into Creepsville, population two. <laughs> but well, we'll do that when we come back from the break. Ooh. Hi, this is Dakota, host of ContraZoom Pod, where we go back and forth about film. I am obsessed with movies. I could talk about them all day. If you're like me, then you'll love my podcast. Every week we take a new topic, whether it's ranking a director's filmography, covering major film festivals, or getting way into Oscar season. While every week is different, we do have some recurring topics, like our Make Remake series looking at an original film and its remake, or our very popular A History Of program, taking an in-depth look, looking at some of the biggest companies involved in film, including Criterion, A24, and Neon. It isn't all super serious topics, though, as we always need to play catch-up with all the hottest Marvel Cinematic Universe news and general pop culture goings-on. There's something for every kind of movie lover, whether you want reviews, interviews, or in-depth conversations. ContraZoom Pod is found on all podcatcher apps, and visit ContraZoomPod.com for even more information. If you like all things spooky, then check out A Spooky Tales, hosted by us, Christina, and MJ, where we talk about all things spooky, paranormal stories, haunted places, myths, and legends. Listen to guests tell us their scary stories. 
and I hear them call me by by my name. So I run into the kitchen to check and there's nobody there. And I start to like hear like my closet door start to open. Oh, hell no. Like, oh, my God. Inside. Oh, hell no. All of a sudden, for no reason, I woke up in the middle of the night. Like my eyes just snapped open. And it's that strange feeling that you have when something wakes you up. You and you don't know what has woken you up until you either see what it was or you hear whatever it was. There are new episodes every Friday. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at SpookyTales.com. And we're back. <laughs> we're back with the creepy part of the story. You said the population in Creepsville was two. Is that you and I? That's you and I. Oh, boy. <laughs> you and me. Yeah. <laughs> you and me. We were. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. This is going to be the part that people, we see in the analytics that people skip out. Yeah. Sorry. I apologize <laughs> for doing the uh, Danzig impression. It's okay. <laughs> Do you recall me mentioning that Carl had visions, perhaps even hallucinations? I do. Okay, great. They never stopped these visions slash hallucinations. He later stated, Maria Elena was telling him to take her home with him. What? Perdón. Uh, how's that? <laughs> Everything sounds normal so far. Continue. Yeah, that romance is... <laughs> Obedient Carl did as he was told, so one night he planned it all out. The Oyo's family had no idea that Carl was the only one who had keys to the mausoleum. You're right, Jose. He was going in nightly. Probably corpse snuggling. Oh. You know that's like, if that was a sport... I think he would take the gold. <laughs> <laughs> That's not something you would want to brag about. <laughs> Having a gold medal and corpse snuggling. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> that sounds like some Ed Gain shit right there. I know. Oh, man. Yeah, it gets pretty gross. Did he also make like lamps and shit out of her skin? <laughs> <laughs> so she could shine her light everywhere. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he did not. Okay, good. Yeah, at least we didn't get to that kind of Creepsville level. <sighs> the night he planned to break her out, so to speak, uh, he brought a toy wagon. I imagine like one of those radio flyer type ones that, you know, those red, <laughs> those red wagons. And that's where he put her uh, decaying corpse. Also, what condition was this corpse in if it had already been two years? Oh, shit. And then in Florida, how hot it is? And muggy? Oh, wakala. Anyway, he started to look into how to keep the body from further decay and learned about Paris plaster. He even made glass eyes for her, I guess, mm. to stare into them until his death. Do they part <laughs> or something? I don't know. While he's kissing her, stare into those <laughs> glass eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he learned about how wire hangers would help stabilize her skeletal frame. He stuffed her torso with rags to make it look a little more filled in. He would apply mortician's wax often to her flesh 
as it, you know, started falling apart, he would try to put some on. I know your face is pretty great right now. <laughs> well, at first I was learning, like, you said he learned. It's like, I don't think there was like a dark web for fucking serial killers and necrophiliacs and shit. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> he also made a wig for her. And all this time away from his job ended up costing him his job because he basically never left the house and had been spending all his time with Maria Elena's corpse. The only times that Carl left the house was when he would go out and buy supplies like fresh flowers, perfume to mask the scent of her decaying body. But can we keep it 100% people? It probably still smelled like death, only mixed in with like weird old perfume and fresh flowers. It still smelled like death. It's like when you use the restroom and you use Lysol. Now the restroom smells like Lysol. And poop. Yeah. 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 And your, and your pedals. <laughs> there's, the, there's the word of the day, pedals. Anyway. <laughs> so he also bought her dresses and often changed her into just different things so she could feel as if she was alive. Almost like his very own doll. The daily visits to the mausoleum suddenly stopped, and this, of course, raised some suspicions. Makes total sense. Around this time, rumors were going around about him because they kept seeing him buying all this weird shit. Perfume, women's clothing, not to mention there wasn't a Google. You had to ask a librarian. How do you, how would one go about slowing the decay of a body that's been dead for two years, asking for a friend. <laughs> you know? That's crazy. One of his neighbors, who was a young boy at the time, saw through one of the windows, Carl dancing with what looked to be like a life-size doll. Dude, he was dancing with her too. What in the hell? <laughs> with his corpse bride? Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> After her joints were starting to give out, he would reinforce them with piano wire, you know, to keep them from like falling apart. He would lie her down on his bed and he slept beside her every night. Is this the romantic part? <laughs> is that where we're there? Yeah, this is like negative 10 on the romantic. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is the boner killer part for sure. <laughs> so guess how long this went on for? 20 years. Oh, gross. No, no, no. <laughs> Seven years. Wow. That's a fucking long time, guy. Yeah. That's commitment. <laughs> that really is. How much mortician's wax could he really be putting on her? Anyway. Did he stay with her longer than he stayed with his real wife? Oh, that's an excellent question. I'm not sure. But I would imagine so. The real wife was not the woman of his dreams. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. Maria Elena's sister, Florinda caught wind of the rumors about Carl, so she had to see for herself. Honestly, I get that. I know I would sound crazy that your mind would go there, but I am also part crazy. So, you know, I know I would act like Florinda. She paid him a surprise visit. At first, she thought it wasn't her sister's body. Maybe it was just an effigy, which is essentially like a doll. Later, after she looked up close, she saw that it was. She called the authorities. The police confiscated the body and it underwent a full autopsy to reveal all the modifications that Carl did to her body. The creepiest body modification. Here we go. This is suspense. <laughs> a tube that was inserted between her legs. 
mm. presumably to have sex with the body, aka necrophilia, ladies and gentlemen. Cochino. I was just joking about that, but he was a necrophiliac. Yes. Well, interestingly, he never admitted to it. I don't know how often they admit to it, but I mean, what else is the tube going to be there for? You know, come on, bro. With a urine with mucus and blood. <laughs> it's still, <laughs> that part's still happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's a persistent side effect of tuberculosis, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows because nobody hangs onto the body that long. <laughs> Just kidding. After a full psychiatric review, Carl was surprisingly deemed fit to stand trial. Like what? How? That's crazy. <laughs> the charges he faced were destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. Get this. None of the charges ever stuck because the statute limitation window had closed. Weirdly, all the press made the public feel really bad for Carl. And perhaps this is also where they saw it as romantic. People took pity on him. They saw him as lonely and eccentric. I mean, I don't know. I think it's very interesting. The public was so curious about the body that her body was put on display at a local funeral home where over 6,000 people, almost 7,000 people, came to see Maria Elena's corpse. They were all curious. Now you, now everybody wants to see. It's like when you pass by an accident, you kind of you want to look. Oh, that's too morbid. Oh, for sure. I still have that puchila face since earlier. It hasn't gone away. No, it hasn't. <laughs> no, it hasn't. It, you have that pedos face right now. <laughs> In order to prevent further grave robbing or whatever, they laid her to rest in an unmarked grave. Carl died in 1952. His body was found three weeks later after he passed away, lying next to an effigy of Maria Elena. This time it really was a full wax life-size doll and nothing else. Did it also have the tube? Oh, probably. <laughs> probably, knowing this dirty bird. <laughs> That's uh, that's the story of Carl Tanzler and Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos. So what say you on your romantic level here? <laughs> yeah, there's very little, if any, romance in that. I think more than anything, it's sad. And it's just the decline of a man's sanity at grieving at this poor girl that he barely even knew of, it sounded like. I also wish somebody paid more attention to his hallucinations slash visions. I felt like that was the yellow flag on the play that, you know, hey, should have just like paused the game like, hey, 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 let's talk about this. Let's let's pay a little more attention to your mental health, whether that was his parents. I mean, anybody, even when he was working at the at the hospital himself, I feel like somebody could have like, hey, dude, why are you calling yourself the count? Like, that's fucking weird. Let's talk about that. Well, the count part is dope. No, I do have to commend them for that. <laughs> oh, my God, you're crazy. Anyway, so we have a voicemail. I'm dying to hear it. Excellent. This is from super friend Elena. And as some of you longtime listeners might know, she's my sister. So when she's referring to her brother, that's me. And she had a spooky story of her own to share with us. Ooh. Exciting. Well, hello. It's me again. Elena calling from El Chuco. And I can't promise this is going to be a short 
message because I do have a couple of stories to share about weird things that have happened to me even though I do not believe in ghosts. Uh, before I get into that story, La Malora kind of reminded me of La Chona. I don't know why. kind of feel like she should have her own song. Anyway, uh, let's get back to my story. I uh, When I was about, well, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven years old or so, I remember being in the the bathroom and looking up into the mirror after I had washed my hands, and there is this lady behind me, beautiful lady. Uh, she had this uh, light blue, baby blue dress on, and it seemed like air was flowing through her. Well, I guess that kind of makes, that doesn't make sense, but like there was air around that was making her, her dress flowy and her hair flowy. And I just remember like taking a glance at her and like screaming and running out of the bathroom and saying, oh my God, it's Bloody Mary. I'll say, I don't know if you remember that or not, but I remember just running to the living room and just claiming that I had seen Bloody Mary. And of course, nobody believed me. My second story is actually when we used to live at the East Side home and everybody was gone. I was taking a shower and I had the music on full blast. And all of a sudden, I hear a banging on the door. And then somebody going, Elena! So I'm like, what? I don't hear anything. I shut down the music. I'm like, what? Nothing. So I'm like, whatever. I go back to doing what I'm doing, showering, whatever, listening to music. And all of a sudden, again, I hear, Elena! And I'm even more annoyed. So I turn off the radio and I open, like, the sliding glass door. And I'm like, what? Nothing. Not a peep. Nothing. So I turn up the music again, continue my shower, and then all of a sudden I hear the doors rattling. Even more annoyed. I'm like, what? I get out of the shower. I open the door. Nothing. Nobody's home. Everybody is gone. And I'm like, what in the world just happened? So I walk around the house with a knife, like that's going to do anything. And I think I'm in my towel still because I wanted to catch whoever was doing this to me in action. Well, I caught nobody. So freaked out. I call my dad because I didn't mention earlier. It was a male voice that I heard. So I figured it was either my dad or my older brother. So I called my dad at work and he's like, no, I've never left work. I'm still here. I don't know what you're talking about. Whatever. Then my brother had just left to work because he had like a schedule where he would go in like at 2.45 or something like that. So I called him and I think he was still on his way to work. And I was like, did you come back home or something? And he's like, no. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, no. I'm like, dude, like I just had the strangest encounter. Somebody was banging on the door and playing with a doorknob and calling my name. And I could have sworn it was you. It sounded like your voice. And he's like, no, I swear I haven't done it. I'm like, are you 100%? He swore he didn't do it. So I don't know if you remember me calling you and telling you about this, but those are the two very weird things that have happened to me. And even after those two instances, I still don't believe in ghosts. All right. I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye-bye. Wow. Do you remember that? I don't remember at all. Oh, man. <gasps> that's that's kind of like hair-raising. Well, those were during my... um sleep deprived, sleep paralysis, visual hallucination days. Right. I was working and going to school and I didn't do a lot of sleeping. So I don't remember a lot that happened during that time. 
and then you were probably drunk most of the time. So, olvídate. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Wow. That's both of them? That's weird that you would see somebody behind you. And then I think the, the scariest one is that somebody was trying to get into her while she's showering. That's like when you're, I feel like that's when you're the most vulnerable. Yeah. Anybody who's seen Psycho will attest to that. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. How creepy. Well, thank you so much for calling in and sharing both of those stories. Those are excellent stories. Yes. Thank you so much for calling in. That makes you our super friend of the week. Yeah. And if you want to call in and share your stories with us, 915-317-6669. They don't all have to be nasty stories as Isela demands. No. I never demanded that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, congratulations, lovelies. You've done it again, folks. You have learned along with us that caring can cross into creepy really quickly. <laughs> and perhaps this is a good reason why the vows are written correctly. Till death do you part. And then that's it. You guys go your separate ways. <laughs> we hope you've been entertained by our chat and invite you to join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever you're listening now. Follow us on all the socials at GreetingsTAC. Email us at GreetingsTAC. Or you can leave us a voicemail, as mentioned earlier. If you have a story to share with us. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is your ghost. I know. 